Welcome to a special edition of Steve Valentino's program, Stop Making Sense. Uh, Sitting in for Steve this morning is yours truly, Douglas Everett, normally heard it Thursdays at 5 o'clock on our program, Radio Parallax. But uh, in somewhat unusual fashion, I have the host of the program here on the line. Steve, are you there? Well, good morning, Doug. Thank you so much for filling in for me this morning. Well, I'm I'm glad to do so, and I certainly hope uh, I remember what it was like being a student here at this fine institution and how pressures can build up, and I think sometimes you just got to address uh, the most important things, uh, not flunking out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Sometimes school comes first, even though I love working at KDVS, but, you know you got to balance things. So thank you so much again for doing it. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do here this morning in your stead. Uh, and we'll even try taking cars, which we don't normally do on our program. But since you do it, by God, we'll do it. <laughs> well, prepare yourself. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> now, um, I know you got to go and do a bunch of things, but you had a story that you did want to share with the listening audience today. So why don't you do it via phone? Well, are you familiar with the Night Initiative at all? That was the uh, it was a gay, gay versus straight marriage thing on proposition? Well, yeah, it was a, an initiative, it was a proposition that uh, passed in California a couple years back that identified or, or stated that marriage is between a man and a woman in the state of California. And so, Prop, Prop 22. Prop 22, okay. right. It's also known as the Knight Initiative because it was authored by this Senator Knight, um, California State Senator. And so I, I called him up uh, the other day and I was kind of, I was talking to his press representative and I was saying, you know, would I be able to talk to Senator Knight to get a bit of a historical perspective on this issue? on and on and on, and the, 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 the communications director hey, is being very... Is this for KDVS you're doing a story, or...? Hmm? You're doing a story for KDVS. Um, it's partially for KDVS, and it's partially for the Sprouts Network, which you you may have heard Sakura do pieces for. Yes, she talked about it on our show, actually. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, anyways, as I was saying, um, I talked to Senator Knight, or I was talking to his communications director, and uh, he was saying, well, you know, I'm not going to give you an interview with Senator Knight today, and I, I said, well, why is that? And he goes, well, uh, you know, gay marriage is a very touchy issue around the office today. And there's a pause, and I uh-huh. go, well, why exactly is it a touchy issue? And there's another pause, and the, the director goes, well, because Senator Knight's son just applied for a marriage license in San Francisco today. Uh-huh. So A gay marriage license. A gay marriage license. <laughs> Well, that would be a bit of a sore subject, I imagine, around the, uh, the office of Senator Pete Knight. Especially, you know, when he's authored an amendment banning gay marriage. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, it kind of goes to show in a lot of ways that a lot of these Republican groups and a lot of these conservatives, although they say that they're just defending the institution of marriage or they're just, you know, trying to uphold the law or biblical law or whatever, yeah. it really there's a lot of complex, like, personal issues and also a lot of just blatantly anti-gay issues at play here. Yeah. So I just thought it'd be an interesting thing to relay because it's not a story that's getting out there right now. Uh, no, it isn't. I, I uh, Wow, that's that's a tough one. Well, hopefully Senator Knight will, once he gets over the shock of this, be able to address the issues. It's certainly been brought home at a more personal level to him right now, I suppose. I would assume. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and good luck with getting that on Sprouts. I guess that's a chance for KDVS again to sort of spread our wings and be heard, uh, at least our our personnel to be heard on a national network. Oh, I definitely think so. It's a fairly good network. So, again, that piece should air on my show on this time slot next Friday. Oh, you're going to have it ready by then? Hopefully, yes. Well, good for you. All right. Well, in the meantime, I guess go out there and uh, do some serious studying, and, and we will try and man the ship here. All right. Thank you. I'm sure you'll do a great job. All right, Steve. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Oh, before you go completely... I listened to your show a couple weeks ago, and you were talking about this professor at UCD who was uh, saying a lot of sort of uh, 
well, I guess one might argue racist things about uh, Asian people and white people, and it sounded very mixed up. Right, right. Professor Hamamoto, um, he, there was an issue with an Aggie columnist a while back where she, this is right before Valentine's Day, she sent him a, uh, an email for a column that she was writing, and she said, should I feel guilty for having a white boyfriend? And in about, and in about 600 words, he basically said yes. Yes, she should feel guilty about having a white boyfriend. Yeah, and he goes on to, okay, to, in yeah. this long-winded email to talk about how um, it's wrong to date outside of your race. He kind of labels people who are in interracial couples as being mm, race traitors. Hmm. This, kind so, of reminds, this reminds me of Strom Thurmond. Oh, just a little <laughs> bit. Just, just a little bit. So he, he was against the mongrelization of the races, I take it. Yeah, very much so. Hmm. And he, so, you know, there's a lot of weird issues going on in this country right now, even, even in places like Davis. Yeah. With not only, you know, interracial dating, but also just, you know, gay dating. Well, interracial gating, dating and, and, and gay dating, I thought, have always sort of been a part of the Davis scene. Is it sort of, is it sort of coming under, uh, under fire well, it, I mean, more it, than before? Well, I mean, it's coming under fire from a different side of things yeah. now. It's coming you know, out of some of our cultural and, and ethnic studies departments, which I've always thought were kind of embracing the idea of multiculturalism, you know? Well, you would think. You would think, but that's not so much the case. At hmm. least, well, not, I'm not going to say that that speaks for every department, but sure. it certainly, you know, from one professor, it really did shock me to find this out. Well, perhaps he was misquoted. Uh, I don't know. Was there a... <laughs> or, or maybe he didn't intend... I don't know. Uh, well, did, you get, did you get some feedback from that? I mean, did people from his department... Uh, no, there was, there was a general... I mean, there were a couple letters to the editor and the Aggie, and there, there was... A, I, I haven't heard any jet, direct responses to him. I think a lot of people have just been steering clear of this issue and just hoping that it kind of goes away. Well, you know, I think the great thing about a university and the great thing about a community radio station both is the free exchange of ideas and discussing things. And so, uh, you know, I think we're doing all of the above here, and that's to the good. I would hope so. Well, Steve, <laughs> all right, we'll, let you, we'll turn you loose to go study, and we'll, uh, again, uh, try and, try and man, the, man the ship here. All right, thank you, Doug. All right. All right, let us continue on morphing as we will. Uh, Stop Making Sense, which is normally brought to you in this... Oh, 8.30 hour every Friday with your host Steve Valentino and uh, my show, Radio Parallax, which is, comes to you on this same station Thursdays at 5 p.m. All right, uh, I know that uh, that Steve has had Bob Mulholland on uh, on this program a couple of times. Now, I noticed I got an email from Mr. Mulholland since I've uh, obtained uh, press credentials to to go to some of these events, and I did go last, um, oh, I guess it was December, down to San Jose, for the Democratic Party uh, meeting they were having down there. Uh, Bob Mulholland lists himself on the email as DNC member, which I guess is Democratic National Committee member, but he's like the head guy. I don't see why he's considered to be just a member. At any rate, he said a pretty good joke here. Actually, I'm going to modify it slightly. Uh, we have some good news and bad news regarding jobs in February. Apparently, 21,000 new jobs were created, which is... The good news. The bad news is that they were mostly just temporary waiters hired for all the Bush campaign fundraisers. Actually, the way it's originally written, it says only 21,000, and truly, uh, they've been expecting to have numbers up closer to 200,000 in terms of new jobs being created. And uh, what is it? Something like, uh, how many jobs have we lost in this country since Bush took over? I don't know. It's a lot. There's going to be a lot of banding about of, uh, of, of, 
of figures, uh, most of which will be suspect in the upcoming election. But the ones I'm least confident in are the, um, the ones issued by the current administration. Did you catch the story a couple weeks ago about their attempt to reclassify food service industry jobs as manufacturing? I kid you not. Apparently, the construction of hamburgers is going to be considered on the same level as shipbuilding and steel mill production. Now, it appears we have not solved the problem of how to have someone engineer this show for me so we can take some calls, so we may have to renege on this assertion we made just a few minutes ago that we'll be fielding your calls as Steve normally does. Uh, He does that by himself, and you know, he's a braver man than I. Uh, Of course, there's always a lot of glitches. I don't want to go there. Let's just talk, and then you can make up for the calls on next week's show. How how would that be? Like like you really got a choice, right? Let's go to our local paper, the Sacramento Bee, the largest paper in the Davis-Sacramento region, Friday, March 5th edition, Metro section. Interesting headline, UCD worth billions, study says. Campus officials amass economic data to build a case against cutbacks. According to the chart, that appears on the second page here. Um, UC Davis ranks second in the area in terms of you know how large an employer it is. Only the state of California, with 81,000 employees, has more. UCD comes in second, 28,847 jobs. Actually edging ahead of Travis Air Force Base and Hospital with 27,000. Sacramento County... Looks to be a distant fourth with only 14,000. Actually, let's check this list out. Hewlett-Packard, 8,000. City of Sacramento, 5,000. So Sacramento County, 14,000. City of Sacramento, 5,000. Intel, 5,000. California State University, 3,300. Kaiser Foundation Hospital, 3,000. McClatchy Company, 2,700. There's a quote here from UCD Chancellor Larry Vanderhoff. The impact of UC Davis is extreme and considerable. We have a very bright future that is better defined now because we can see the missing pieces. We knew we were big, but we just didn't know how big. Evidently, UCD set out to do this comprehensive report on its economic impact and uh, surprised itself with how big that impact really is. We should note this doesn't. Uh, this includes not only the UCD campus in Davis, but also the University Medical Center located in Sacramento. That's um, that's pretty interesting. We probably ought to go talk to some folks here at the university about this study. I, I, I'm I'm a bit surprised, as I suppose you are too. I think what we're going to do as we wing it on today's program is go to an interview that I taped yesterday with Dr. Bruce Betts of the Planetary Society. Dr. Betts apparently uh, appears just about every week on KUCI's Planetary Society program, which airs uh, uh, Tuesdays at 5.30. Let's uh, let's play that interview with him in the second segment, and I think what I'll do to finish out uh, segment number one today is go through a pile of miscellaneous items I've had piled up that I want to address on the air, but just haven't gotten around to. All right, according to the New York Post... Replicas of the nails used to hang Jesus on the cross have become the hottest selling item in Christian specialty stores. The two and one half inch pewter nails, a licensed tie-in to Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, sell for $16.99 each. Item, the digital video company TiVo says 35,000 new subscribers signed up for the service because 
they regretted missing the chance to record the Janet Jackson breast-bearing incident. That's according to Forbes magazine. Item from the Wall Street Journal. Since 1990, the Motion Picture Association of America has rated 70 movies with its most restrictive rating, NC-17. 65 of those films drew the rating because of sexual content. Violence was cited as a factor in only five. Does it strike anybody as that's a bit of a weird statistic with all this Hollywood bashing that goes on, and much of it deserved, frankly, but uh, because, I mean, Hollywood is, you know... Have you ever been overseas? I mean, I remember being like in Indonesia and seeing a theater playing American movies, which are like the top top flight movies. These aren't like domestically produced. And uh, this Hollywood glitzy, you know, shoot 'em up, titillating, you know, uh, trash that they produced down there in L.A. Uh, was what the rest of the world was being held hostage by. I used to call it cultural imperialism. Anyway, I think they could clean up their act down there. But isn't it funny that uh, you can draw an NC-17 rating quite easily because of sexual content, but it's mighty tough to do with violence. Item. Employees at an Aspen, Colorado Walmart saw a man in a ski mask stalking the aisles a couple weeks back. Suspicious that the masked man might be contemplating a robbery or shoplifting, the workers asked him to remove his disguise. When he refused, they called the police, who determined that the suspicious man was Michael Jackson. We got a call about a man acting strangely in the store, said Lieutenant Bill Kimenow. There was no altercation. Actually, a friend of mine once had a, went, attended a meeting with Michael Jackson, and he wore a mask. Uh, she couldn't figure it out either. And I believe it was Hemingway that uh, that once said, or no, actually it was F. Scott Fitzgerald that once said that the rich are different from you or I, to which Hemingway supposedly replied, yes, they have more money. Uh, in that vein, the following story. George Clooney's dad, Nick, is running for Congress in Kentucky. Clooney sent out a note to Democratic contributors vowing that he'd do almost anything for a $500 donation. He offered, for instance, to wash your car every week till it's paid off and armor all the tires in a toga. When word of the written offer got out, the actor had to explain that his promise was made to a select group at a private party and was not intended for the general public. All right, from the Only in America file, a 38-year-old Indianapolis man is suing the Women's National Basketball Association for refusing to allow him to try out for the Indiana Fever. John Massey, a forklift driver for Home Depot, said his civil rights were violated when the WNBA refused him a tryout. The only reason Mr. Massey was refused a tryout was because of his sex, says his lawyer, David Isaacs. Massey said he wanted to be on the team because, as he saw it, quote, is an easy way to make 40 grand by working a couple of hours a day, unquote. All right, let's do some politics here. Um, if elected, John Kerry would be the third wealthiest president in U.S. history after George Washington and John F. Kennedy. Most of the Kerry family wealth, estimated at $525 million, comes from his wife, Teresa Hines Kerry, who inherited a ketchup fortune from her late first husband. Now, interestingly, uh, John Hines was elected senator in Pennsylvania running against Cyril Wecht. Dr. Wecht has appeared on our program, and I believe he will do so again. I would like to uh, 
to get some insight from him on what it is like to run against that much Heinz money. Although uh, I think, unfortunately, um, uh, Dr. Weck did not have the same backing behind him that George Bush uh, has to go up against that same uh, pile of money. All right, not to keep plugging our show on Thursdays, but uh, we did mention this, and I hope you do. I hope you listen to Steve's show and our show. I think there's a lot of crossover. On our show, we revealed to you that Al Sharpton is being run by the Republican Party. Yes, Roger Stone is his campaign manager. Roger Stone is a Republican operative. So I was quite uh, amused by this particular um, item. Of all the Democratic contenders for the, for the nomination, Al Sharpton lived the most lavishly on the road. Now, we just talked about how much money Kerry has. Apparently, Sharpton is outdoing him. He generally stayed at the Four Seasons Hotels, where the bill averaged $3,598. You think there's some money working behind the scenes on Al Sharpton? Howard Dean was the most frugal. Dr. Dean favored the Marriott chain and spent $172 for his average visit. And speaking of uh, the Kerry Bush upcoming race, uh, item from the Sacramento Bee poll, Kerry Bush even, Nader, 6%. It's out of the Associated Press. In the first poll released since John Kerry locked up the Democratic nomination, Kerry and Bush are tied. While independent Ralph Nader has captured enough support to affect the outcome, validating Democrats' fears. The Republican incumbent had the backing of 46%, Kerry 45%, And Nader, the 2000 Green Party candidate who entered the race just last month, was at 6%. This is in a survey conducted for the AP by Ipso Public Affairs. Now, uh, I heard Ralph Nader on on NPR a couple weeks ago claiming that that he took, uh, he claimed he was taking something, I forget his exact breakdown, but uh, according to, to Nader's numbers, he perhaps took, for every 100 votes he got, oh, I don't know, 15 away from Gore. Well, the real number is something more like 60. And uh, the number of Nader voters that, uh, that uh, well, the number of votes that went to Nader in New Hampshire were enough to ensure that Jeb Bush's shenanigans down in Florida could have put the election over to Bush, which it, which it did. Now, it's possible these days to go out and just buy airtime and buy commercial times for anybody. And this is being done. In the 2000 election, uh, apparently a lot of TV time bought for Ralph Nader in the state of New Hampshire came from the GOP. And it apparently paid big dividends. Just like in Iowa, the Club for Growth, a GOP group, went in there and basically bought up a lot of airtime to knock Howard Dean out of the race. And uh, they did. Now, Ralph Nader is an interesting fellow. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you have to respect uh, what he's done for the past 40 years. I saw him talk locally at McGeorge School of Law, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago, it seems. And he was begging people to go into, uh, you know, public service, to use their legal, tool, legal skills once they graduated from school, to go out and act as activists, to not necessarily go work for some large corporation. I have no idea how many people took a Ralph Nader up on his offer, but I certainly hope that some of them did. We need people in acting in that capacity. Anyway, um, there's a lot to respect in Ralph Nader, and I don't disagree with an awful lot of what he has to say about uh, a sort of a corrupt culture in this country. 
Uh, Ralph Nader was out railing against corporate corruption. Um, the Economist magazine noted uh, uh, at a point when Enron wasn't even yet a twinkle in Kenny Lay's eyes. It seems quite clear, based on this initial poll, that Ralph Nader could be a factor in 2004, and I'm worried about this. I think you should be, too. Uh, anyway, uh, that's it for the first segment. Let's take a short break. You are listening to Stop Making Sense, or is it Radio Parallax, or is it some morph in between? Well, I'm not sure. But anyway, we'll be back, in a, we'll be back shortly. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I'm Douglas Everett, sitting in for Stephen Valentino.